Today's show is brought to you by Casper. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com forward slash bcpod and using the promo code bcpod. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Hello, freaks, and hello, geeks. As you know, my name is Matt, and you have entered the Bad Christian Podcast. All right, so you know we've been out on the road doing these BC Pod shows. We've been doing them live in living rooms, and they were a complete success. Joey's health, on the other hand, was a complete failure. Uh, some of the physical maladies that he experienced during our trip were severe depression, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, kidney stones, pissing blood and tissue, and he made two trips to the ER in four days. The smorgasbord of drugs he took included antidepressants, as well as hydrocodone, Lortab, and morphine, just to name a few. So we're going to be releasing one of these episodes, one of these live episodes, each and every week starting this Thursday. So I guess we're going to just go ahead and call the series uh, Chronicles of a Rapidly Disintegrating Pastor. Hey, but that's what you get when you go around kicking dogs in the face. That's right. Karma is a bitch. So like I said, every night was full, totally successful. We enjoyed it so much. And we have to thank, more than anybody, the BC Club. It was the funding from our own, very own BC Club that allowed us to make it name your own price and that we were allowed to get people in for free and make these shows huge. So if you're in the club and you didn't get to make it one of these shows, please pat yourself on the back. If you're in Pocatello, Idaho, and we haven't, we're not able to come there, it's because of you that the people in Nashville, Indianapolis, Atlanta, and Charleston got to see the show. Thank you so much. This is proving our model of giving stuff away and letting people pay what they want to support it. It's successful. I could not be happier, and I sincerely, sincerely mean that. So if you want to join the BC Club, there's very good reason to. We want to put out more podcasts like this. We're gonna, we want to do video. We want to do more music. We want to continue to make it free. This experiment is working. So go to badchristian.com forward slash contribute and be one of the noble few, the proud BC Club members. We got a great podcast today. The guys from the Reformed Pubcast are on. We got a great show next week. We just interviewed Aaron Gillespie during our trip, and he'll be on next Monday. And don't forget, Thursday, for installment one of the Chronicles of a Rapidly Disintegrating Pastor, live in Indianapolis, Indiana. All right, let's do it. The Bad Christian Podcast. Hey, y'all, we back up in this piece. Can we talk like non-youth ministers? Yo, 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 y'all heard about the Holy (laughs) Spirit up in this mug? I'm talking about J.C., Changed my life. I'm never alone. Always got my partner on my side. My name's Steve. My name's Steve White. 24 years old. I'm here at First Baptist. Y'all ready to party? Got the Xbox. <laughs> Three, two, one. Hit it. Yo, this is the bad. Don't you know this is the bad Christian podcast? I said the bad Christian podcast. Welcome to the show, folks. This is Matt, Toby, and Joey. We are hey, in oh, yeah. the middle, right in the middle of our living room tour, doing our live shows and stuff like that. And the Super Bowl was yesterday, but we're recording this just before that, so we don't have any reaction to it. I hope Seattle one um as the game would have gone toby and joey and i will have gotten to watch it together which is nice so yeah let's hope we had a good time matt are you pulling for a certain team yeah i'm definitely pulling for Se- yeah i said i'm definitely pulling for seattle 
of course I would have uh, way rather had Green Bay in there. That was kind of a dream come true. And the sucky thing is that I didn't get win or lose. Like I said, I don't know what happened at this point. But either way, I would have rather been in Seattle for it. So it's unfortunate that right when the Super Bowl happened, second year in a row, I have left town and been on the road to watch it. But it would have been the best thing ever had we all been together to watch the Green Bay Super Bowl. So I was gambling on that. Will y'all have been pulling for Seattle? I literally want Seattle to be humiliated like I feel. <laughs> like, I know that sounds terrible. I, I'm you actually pull I'm against in, Seattle in general for life. Ever since that fail Mary, I know it's so uh, wrong of me to say that and petty and just, but I just, like, that just got me. And I watched it with, like, 30 Seattle fans, and they were all like, yeah, it was the right call. And I was like, no way, no way. <laughs> so, and I am a huge Green Bay Packer fan. I'm just like, man, somebody beats us. I don't I don't wish them good will. Now, if I, if the exact opposite would have happened, I would have been super For happy. The Green Bay game. So, in any case, we're probably way over talking about something that, yes, you either got your wish or you did not at this point. The game is in the can. Hope everybody had a good and safe Super Bowl Sunday, but now football season is over and we're moving forward. In another 30-something weeks, we'll have Clemson Tiger kickoff and we'll talk football some more. So, anyway. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not joking. Yeah, me either, man. I'm super excited about Clemson. Joey, do you have Very a YouTube excited. plug for us this week? You've been doing those really well. I sure do, man. We are just so... Can you talk like a youth pastor? I was about to. Okay. We're just so gracious and thankful yeah. to have our YouTube <laughs> Uh, channel up and running and active. We've oh, yes, so, Tubi. Yes, Tubi. Yeah, we have had so much participation. Hashtag, it's a God thing. So much connecting, and we are just thrilled uh, by the tumultuous environment that we have created by the power and sanctity. <laughs> Hashtag redeemed. It's definitely a God thing. Yeah, so YouTube.com. Hashtag saved by grace. Forward slash... X bad Christians, the plural form with another X. So that's youtube.com. All right, slash. all right, they found it. Google it, you'll find it. Okay, Joe, Toby, what you got today? For me? Yeah, what do you got to talk about? And I'm not saying ad, I'm saying what do you got? What's going on? Well, I have a few things. Some, some are more serious. I'll go start with the light first, this, the, the lighter side, I guess. Keep it's it just light. being a parent. That's fine. Just being a parent. And uh, so we're sitting out at the dinner table. It's really fun, too. Like actually sitting at the dinner table, sometimes it's boring because my kids won't eat they eat super slow and i have to tell them eat 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 but uh so we're sitting there and jess says so uh ruby ruby's our oldest she's five she's i mean she's in preschool and uh she always talks about uh ugh, mommy and daddy love each other oh <laughs> and i'm actually messed up two weeks ago and i was like i told jess i yelled out the car window that when i got home i was gonna make love to her and ruby <laughs> immediately was like what does it mean make love and i was like oh no i said in love ruby she said no you said make love i said no i said in love sorry I just said, uh, your mom makes me feel in love with her. And she was like, oh, but I was like, oh. She didn't buy and it. She just, she just went, oh, you know, she doesn't know. But so I got to really start watching my mouth. She hears everything. And uh, so this week, though, she says that, uh, Jess said, Ruby, tell daddy what, what you said and um, who you're going to marry. <clears throat> she said, I'm going to marry this little boy at her school. And I was like, what? And she says, yeah. Uh, I said, where are you going? Where are you going to live? How are you going to make? She said, well, we both like blue, so we're going to live in a blue house. <laughs> simple <laughs> and so i mean now my five-year-old's thinking about getting married and moving out and i'm just like no, what, no i mean was the is he a man of god or not i mean that, that's what viable? i <laughs> i was like no chance is this gonna happen I, I i try to tell her i know i was just kind of just going along with the conversation i was like ruby you will i mean you probably won't even know this kid a few years from now you know what i mean like maybe even next year i don't know if you're gonna go to the same elementary school or anything and so 
I said, you know, you just don't need to worry about that. You just, I mean, he's your friend, but you are not going to marry this guy. No matter what, you're going to live with us for a very long time. She was like, whatever. But in all fairness, you also told Devin Shelton there's no way he was going to marry his wife, Megan. Yeah, you're right. In the ocean. Are you I, serious? Yeah. yeah. And that told, happened, told, so maybe Ruby's got a point here. I said, Devin, there's no chance for you and Megan, and they're about <laughs> to have their second kid. <laughs> Why did you think that at the time? Uh, well, it's honestly, just because Devin was a player. <laughs> <laughs> It was just, okay, no. the circumstance was we met, we, we were at Cornerstone, our first Cornerstone that Emory ever played. Yeah, I mean, girls like Devin, he's always been able to meet girls wherever we go and stuff like that. So he met this girl who was a, I don't know, she must have been 20, 19 at the time, and she was just a cor- Cornerstone concert attender from Illinois, and we were just rolling through there, and Devin and her met and had a fling and talked and hung out that for those th- two or three days, and then... Like, we left, and then Devin's saying, yeah, this is really serious. I'm going to go visit her. I mean, it could be real and all this stuff. And Toby's just like, no way, man. No way. This is dumb. This is nothing. This will never <laughs> yeah, be anything. Can't you see that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in my defense, Devin's the golden child. That Honestly, most girls like Devin. Oh, yeah. Even just as a friend, as a good guy, I mean, he looks nice. And, so, and he is nice. And so I just thought, I mean, we've all seen Devin have bunches of girlfriends, and it just didn't work out. I was like, what are you talking about? I mean, you saw her for a minute at this Cornerstone Festival. But then I'm, I, I met Jess, and, and it was, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely marrying her. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so my daughter, I think, apparently wants to, I mean, get married. And that just, I guess it's, it's kind of seems dumb, but like a preschool kid, I don't even really like want him to come over to her house or anything. Like, That's, he might be a nice kid, but I don't, I mean, I don't want my daughter hanging out with a dude. Now, does that really actually give you pause at this point? Does that actually concern you? Or like, you actually don't, I mean, not, because it. You know this isn't a real thing, obviously, but is it? Does it just make you have feelings like, oh, ten years from now, I will have to worry about it, or what? I guess to be honest, I think my daughter could get her feelings hurt if she's already feeling that way, and if this kid were to be tomorrow mean to her, she would take it more deeply. You know what I mean? I think she's that's a little would, sad. I know it is, it, and that's what I don't like about it. Like she, I have to be aware of her feelings now, r- emotionally, in towards other people. Like you know, getting her feelings hurt, even uh, just friendship relationships. I mean, it, it can be really hurtful and if people laugh at her or something she gets her feelings hurt i I gotta figure out how to deal with that stuff how about you joey how old is rosa she's getting almost closer to like a reasonable age where you will have to deal with it more so yeah i mean we we've talked about this a little bit before she'll be nine in august so i've already recognized that there is something up between her and boys just from a you know there's an interest level there and i don't like thoughts of her actually dating and her actually liking other boys and stuff but i think i'll be ready for it just from a standpoint of it's not going to destroy me i'll be discounted because i have the youngest kid here but i do have some thoughts on george's dating now i'm going to give these tips to y'all and see if this it wasn't not tips it's just one idea i have for dating so tell me if if i'm silly or not or feel free to implement this as your daughter's approach to age i believe the best way to handle dating probably is, not going to okay so first of all i'm on record with i want georgia to find an awesome man that is great and get married at a young age so that's my first right. thing i would like so in order to help find that i want to encourage real good men to come out of the woodwork so whatever it is now the problem is you can't trust your daughter and send her out so everybody goes oh i'm gonna do this i'm gonna threaten you know threaten the guy or make him hang out with us all the time whatever here's what i think you can do you can have your daughter when she's 15 16 whatever and tell her no i I want you to find a good man and you can date unlimited but all dates that you go on have to be before school they have to be before 8 a.m so from 5 30 5 45 until 
8 if anybody wants to get up, wake up, come here, pick you up, take you to breakfast, and have you to school on time, I will uh, respect that. That means he's showing a lot. You know what I mean? Instead of trying to take her to a party at night or go out to a movie, no dates at night, never. But I can be the benevolent parent and say, yes, I would love for my daughter to meet a man who's responsible and working hard and trying to do the right thing. Get up and take her to coffee. Y'all can sit with her. I'll drive y'all down there at 630. So unlimited dating before school hours. What do you think? Huh. Man, I think you've I think you've talked about this on the podcast before, if I'm not mistaken. Uh uh-uh. uh. Are you sure? I'm positive. Okay, sorry. I don't know why that would be a good thing. I I like it because that way, I mean, if the guy if the, if the dude really likes her, then he'll wake up early, and there's a great potential for them not to be alone in a yeah bad situation. Nothing bad's you know gonna I mean? happen in the morning. Like it's, I mean, there's everything no, happens you know in I mean? the dark. Yeah, like think about it. It's like oh, I want to go over to so and so's and watch a movie. No, you're not going. But you can't call me a crappy dad or mean or I don't care or I don't get it because I'm saying you can date. You need to date a credible man, and this is somebody sh- showing that they really care about you. So I'm teaching her that. So if he wants to come over, I'll drive you all to coffee. I'll drop you off at the coffee shop. I'll come back. You know what I mean? If that guy wants to get up, take her to school, whatever it may be, as long as it's happening between six and eight a.m., he can take my daughter out every morning. That would be awesome, right? I like it. Cause I'm what, down with it. So. Feel free. Anybody's got 16, 17-year-olds, let me know how that works. I'm not, it'll be a long time off for me, but it's just an idea. Yeah, I'm wide open with it. I, I think it's a great idea. That's when I'm awake, I'm ready to go, I can pay attention. You know what I mean? Like, wh- wh- Why do I want my daughter at our house watching a movie in the living room when Jess and I fall asleep or Absolutely something? Absolutely not. You know? That's off the table no matter what. This, But this way you get the upside of it. So, Joe, you don't like it? I have to really put some thought into it. You don't even love your kids if you don't agree with Matt. Yeah. Anyway, that's my thoughts on. Well, I also, that. I didn't sing songs about destroying my teachers Whatever. in middle school either. So that is true, man. He's got you there. That's true. Well, y'all have any light stories before we get to some serious shit? <laughs> serious? <laughs> no, I know you got me intrigued talking about serious shit. What could it be? I'm ready for it. You got something dark or what? Well, we were talking Toby and I just about the whole Perry note. Why isn't it? Why hasn't it made bigger news? I actually tweeted something about Perry Noble, and a bunch of people were this like, "This was what several happened? weeks and ago." I can't even, right? what, is, what are you talking? What's the story? Well, basically, there is YouTube footage of him on Christmas Eve, and he kind of gets a little bit mixed up in his words, and it sounds like he says "n i g g a," like "come on," and then says that word. But I, I think it's easy to give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I don't think he meant to say that at all, and that wasn't even what he was thinking. But in the same message, Toby, you could probably articulate this a little bit more accurately. I'm pretty sure he said something along the lines that the Ten Commandments were not intended to be commandments. Yeah, they were promises. Promises. What he, said. he said the actual Greek or Hebrew, whatever, say he did some studying, and that they were promises so that we didn't have to think of them as commandments like, um, you know, thou shalt not steal, so don't steal. He was saying it's a promise like one day you won't, I guess, steal. Or it's a promise, don't worry, that that shall not steal. You won't steal one day. You won't kill one day because of Jesus. Uh, you know. So really, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, I, he was kind of staying true to what it means, you know, I, in, in a sense. Like, I don't, he's not saying, oh, yeah, you can go kill and steal and cheat and all that stuff, you know. Or he's not, he wasn't saying that. But I think was, was people worried about it that he was just diminishing the authoritarian father that does make commands? Yeah, I think. Just taking the Bible out of context and and softening you know, the message, the, yeah, and theologically it's not right, and, and you know the all the the stuff. Which I mean, maybe so, but I, I I mean if that's the case and he's just wrong, okay, so he's wrong, whatever. But like the idea of Joey, more than just that, and that happens a lot. And I mean, 
honestly, even we do it too. You know what I mean? I'm, there are reasons why pastors do things, and it's really easy to pick them apart. So I, I want to first admit that I'm a hypocrite in this because I, I, it's very easy for a pastor to do something. I go, yep, see, I told you. Look at that pastor. He did this, this, and that. You're going to see that pastors are this. So, but it is interesting to me, the idea of I kind of feel like I wish we would all just realize that pastors are going to let you down and start there as opposed to the hero worship, like, oh, man, our pastor's so awesome. Oh, man, you know, like, you don't know how many tweets and uh, retweets and, and good words I saw uh, about Perry Noble, like, oh, man, he's so awesome. And then he has a mistake or he messes up or, or tries to fix what he did wrong or does something that somebody just doesn't agree with, and then they bash him, unreal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, potentially, like, he should step down. People are asking him to step down and not be a pastor anymore. I'm just like, what were you expecting? What What is he supposed to? He's not God or Jesus. And it's just this hero culture we have of just setting people up for, there's this one dude, and he does it all right. And when he does it, let's kill him. You know, let's, let's skewer him in, in public. And it's just frustrating to me. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, I agree. It's like, well, I mean, you know, what we were saying is people, like, live and die by a certain pastor that they just listen to continuously and they're going to download all the messages and they're not going to miss any of them. And it's just like, man, you, well, you should listen to so-and-so. If you like so-and-so, you got to listen to this guy or you got to go to this church, man. They just planted a campus in that area, man. This, this guy's legit. But then he may have made a mistake theologically or slipped up. In, and let, let's say he actually did say that word. All of a sudden, he's not worthy of being followed. So what validated him being worthy of followed? Did you really think that he never made mistakes behind closed doors? It yeah. just seems to be a pretty warped perspective. I, and I would say, let me add on to this, too, because, like I said, we, even here on the Bad Christian Podcast, are quick to smash somebody that is in the public Christian world. So I mean, I, that's what yeah, I'm saying. So, yeah, I, that's I'm even valid at, to do, is to criticize somebody. If you think he's wrong, it, it is okay to blog that you thought he was wrong? Is that yes, right Yes, that's that? what I'm saying. I think that's right, but I... But what I'm saying is what's interesting to me is I feel like a lot of times the it comes from the people that last week loved him. He's the greatest thing, walked on water, and then this week not. Like I'm saying, I think everybody's shitty, and let's start there. And then that that's okay. you know. Then we can kind of just hmm. figure it out from there. But if you start with, oh, man, my pastor's just the greatest guy. He's so awesome, man. The messages he preaches and the things he does. He rode a motorcycle on stage. And he, <laughs> he did this, this, and that. Oh, my gosh. And then those same people are going to just smash it. So that's that's the problem I have with it. It's not about God. It's about this dude, how awesome or funny he is. And then when he's not, oh, how bad he is. You know what I mean? So there's just nothing there. Like, I want to smash somebody, and then they they correct me. I'm okay with being wrong. Like, I, I think it's okay to smash, and then, and then he should be able to come out and say, hey, I, this is what I meant, this, this, blah, 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 and explain in more detail, and then that's – there and you I, go. And I'm starting to buy into what you and Toby have been talking about all along, especially you, Matt, with this day and age of Internet and just the exposure. I really think things like this are just going to continually happen. You've got the extreme cases of Mark Driscoll, who all of his mess ups were kind of exposed and it just culminated into Mars Hill not existing all the way to something a little more surfacey, like Perry Nobles saying something that rubbed people the wrong way in a message but either way they're tainted to some degree and it just seems like that sort of stuff is going to continually happen is the church going to learn a lesson here well here's my thoughts on it first of all that i have been saying that and you're right i think it's on the rise i think you will see much more large leaders fail or be criticized or be forced into more weird places but here's the problem i think i'm gonna have to put the blame on 
they I mean they're going to have to take some of the blame and the system because they are the it's really the system that has that many people listening to one person but they set it up and, and sought it no matter what and I really truly believe that the the problem is no matter what one person cannot be cannot handle there is no one person capable really of leading and dealing with mm, tens of thousands of people I, I think that number is just simply too large. I think it, the that large of a megachurch just doesn't make sense, and it speaks to the fact like when they write books and have to have ghostwriters and help and all that kind of stuff that a lot of people would say is cheating and stuff anyway, there's no way you can be a personality, a teacher, a scholar. You can't be all those things to be that leader and be that uh, theologically, it's, you know, it's a full-time job to just be studying scripture, And but those guys, the guys who are on top of those games are, I mean, they're businessmen and personalities first. They really are. That's the only way that you can get to that level, and you have to seek it. Man, I mean, a lot of people are mad that you say that, though. It's I true. Mean, that's not I, what... I mean, that's fine. They could be mad, or I guess I could be wrong, but that's, I mean, maybe there's exceptions to that, but I just don't, I think that you have to be seeking it to get to that, those levels, and I think they're obnoxious levels, and if there's not, then all we're heading for is one church, where there's whoever's the best leader should be the leader of everybody, because he's the best, right? So why is it 10,000? Why not 10 million people under one person? Because you can't handle, there's no, I mean, of course Perry Noble's flawed to that to that degree, and so would anybody else be. It's not somebody else that Yeah, could. but here's here's the thing, Matt. What, you're right what you're saying, but I guarantee you there's a lot of pastors out there that'll be like, yeah, I can handle the 10 million. Yeah, well, he's, they're wrong. I mean, they're obviously wrong, and I predict that you'll see more, like now that the flaws can come out and be seen and investigated and shared, it'll be, it'll be proved. I don't think you'll ever see churches larger than you do today. I really don't. And I do think, I would say that I bet, I really feel like it's got to be in the high hundreds or very low thousands that's even, you know, reasonable ever, from now ever, for one person to be, in charge of. When I say in charge of, I mean the lead pastor, the CEO, the number one guy. That that system is not scalable to infinity. It just isn't. So I think we yeah. currently have ex- exceeded the threshold of reasonable uh, power for one individual to have. It can't be ten thousand plus p- congregants and you're the main everything. Can't be. It doesn't. It's not going to work. It's not sustainable or scalable. I don't believe. As far as what you're saying with there being a one church with one person leading it why don't you account for different strokes for different folks i mean people that say yeah you know i I kind of relate more to tim keller's teachings it's just a little more intellectually stimulating for me he's better at articulating things for people that don't believe and then the other person's like "Ah, i just like perry nobles man he's silly he says crazy okay, stuff, and I'm that's crazy. that's fine, but they don't know? have to be. I mean, anybody can listen to whoever they want to on their podcast. That's it's. I'm not against that. I'm saying they, they don't need to have the be the leaders over these giant organizations. Anybody can listen to anybody or read G.K. Chesterton's or C.S. Lewis's book or or the equivalent of listen to their podcast. No, I don't have a problem with that. But they don't. Those same people don't have to be in charge of this or proprietary organization that controls everything from the top down. Also. That's all I'm saying. There's a limit to what to what you can do. So basically what you're saying is your argument would be, okay, put put Rick Warren in charge of all the churches in the world. He doesn't necessarily have to be the primary voice, but if No, don't what put anybody saying, in charge of anything. No, no, group. no. I No, you, your argument though is is if that's how we treat church and there should be one person that's in charge. You're not saying that you're an advocate of it. What I'm saying is that's that's the logical 
end result. Yeah, the logical end result is whoever's the best CEO, leader, whatever, would, would have more and more and more, and God would just grow it, brother, and then that would be it. But that doesn't make sense. So what do you do with it's just like the King David. Just go back to King David. I mean, you know, he probably could have ran a village, and you know what I mean? When you have too much power, that's when Bathsheba comes in, or you can have somebody killed. I mean, it's not, it's their fault, it's their sin, but it wouldn't come. I mean, you can manage a few hundred people, you can, whatever, but you can't manage a billion. There's no possibility for a president. It's too much of a job to not be horribly failing at a lot. You couldn't be a king of a nation or king of the world without being literally directly responsible for people's deaths. I mean, you, what do y'all do with the terminology, the calling? And I just, I got a calling, you know, 25 years ago, I knew God wanted me to train men make disciples I think that there's nothing churches. you can do to argue with that if somebody says i got a calling from what do you say no you didn't right and then here, here's the even but don't you think some people did yeah sure May, yeah, maybe definitely. even all of them did but what my point would be i, I even believe that maybe some a pastor that ruined everything or it's bad like i, I believe mark driscoll had a calling yeah, yeah i agree sure. but i think at some point a lot of those guys stopped listening to to new callings though they had a calling they did what they're supposed to do and at some point they might have stopped listening i'm afraid well, I think it becomes more, Matt, to, back to your point, I think people have a calling, and I actually, just like all of us, I mean, I work at a mega church, and I think that I can say that I see the good in church, I see the good in the system, I see all the stuff that is great about it, but I can also see that what it really does become a business. It has to keep going. you got to get people in the seats, butts in the seats, so you know you can afford to do all this stuff like pay for people's salaries and do outreach to other countries and stop uh, abortion and stop, uh, you know. A lot of compromises and concessions are made for the sake of the goal, uh, you know. Right, and so what basically happens, honestly, is just the same as like Walmart. It just becomes more and more watered down and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper so they can just keep you there. And eventually you just, you're like, yeah, I don't really like it, but it's cheap and easy to get in and out. And that's, and that's what it is. And honestly, I know y'all are going to laugh at me for this, but... Y'all know I was devastated by the Green Bay loss, and I don't even really want to go into it that much, but I'm just going to show you this, share this analogy. I actually thought this. One th thought I had was, did you know, I think I said this, but did God actually smoke Green Bay Packers? Because, like, Russell Wilson's a solid Christian, and, like, he just, God was like, I'm going to honor you, son. And then he, so he smoked the Packers. But the other thing I thought is that the church is playing, like, the last three minutes of that Green Bay Packers game. <laughs> and it's frustrating me because. The church is the Green Bay it, blowing it. Right, it's just uh, you. You you just do this. Hey, you you stay conservative. You you re repeat these topics. You you need Jesus, but you know you. It's not too late for you and you and you and and so the church has gotten to this thing where it's all about the people coming in the door, and that's all they tell you. The the whole Bible's about you. It's not about Jesus as much as it's. Hey, listen, the Bible's here because these three steps are going to tell you this about yourself, and you need to be a better person. And this is how you you are going to do it. You you you. And so it's this conservative thing that gets every. every I mean. Everybody wants to hear a, a message about themselves. Do you, I mean, a lot of people don't want to hear uh, the context of what this meant at this time to this culture and it being broken down, or or you stay on one scripture for a whole sermon and really break it down. A lot of people, that's a lot more boring. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like that right. education of the Bible, but it's, you definitely are in, enjoying it when, some, when a pastor makes a joke that you can relate to and it's about you. And how kids are, or man, marriage with a man and a woman. Boy, it sure is funny when it, this happens. You didn't put the toilet seat down. <laughs> Pastor's so awesome, man. But it's just because it's about you. And I really do think, I know this sounds crazy, but like, I've just been thinking like, yeah, good stuff happens. I mean, when you play conservative, usually you win the football game. 
you know, and and some good stuff happens. And it's, but you can't get criticized usually. But but yeah, it's boring and stuff like that. But when you don't, man, it's, uh, amazing things can happen. Yeah, you know, like if you if you really step out and do something different, then Seattle has maybe in the history of NFC Championship for sure the greatest game ever. Like the greatest, that's the greatest comeback maybe ever. And I just I'm like, man, because you did just the normal. You know, you go, oh well, you know, next season we'll win another 10, 15 game, get back to the playoffs. Oh yeah, that's all great. But nothing extraordinary or amazing happens. And people will argue, and, oh, yeah, but you know, our church helps this. And I heard, yeah, I agree. But what about like just something but uh, uh, absurd? I mean, we, the God of all creation, and we're just going to be, we're going to be happy with nice air conditioning and donuts and coffee. Yeah, I'd argue and a pastor there's only that about 10% laugh. variation. Like the churches that think they're radically different from the churches that are totally stock, I would argue there's probably in the grand scheme, uh, they're about 10% variation. Of what they are, they're the same thing. Yeah, totally. Eight percent, four percent different. It's it's really not. You know, every it's the most safe possible thing. I agree. Like with I that. mean, we go to but churches here, where we, I mean, we 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 go to churches where we literally can't tell people you really need to give and you really need to pray and you really need to read your Bible and I'm going to hold you accountable. Well, you can't do that. They won't come because all they want to hear is stories about themselves, not about hey giving of yourself. I mean, it's not. You hear the the nice story with the cool video of the sad single mom that all of a sudden the church, you know, that, I'm saying that good stuff is happening, but radical world changing stuff. I'm just like, man, it kind of seems like the same stuff. I mean, go to every decade and something good happens and the church has been there to help people through stuff. But I mean, like, seriously, I don't, it's, it's the, the great big, huge change, just bigger churches. Is that Amen. where we're at? That just a bigger church means, oh, this is the radical change? I think that's an example of what's driving me crazy. Something I've noticed is, and this has maybe been the last 10 or 15 years, I'm sure people talk about it, but now, anytime somebody talks to me about a church, or I hear a, a, something, a stat published about a church, obviously coming from that church's PR department, whenever they talk about the size of the church, they always just talk about attendance. They don't talk about members. They, that's that's never and and why is that and they say oh the online campus and then this and that I mean we were over twelve thousand this week or whatever and it's just so obvious that that's their biggest measurement and what they're measuring is attendance not members and I'm, I'm not making any claim on what church membership is or is good or bad or, none of that I'm just saying you can clearly see the focus shift to the number that's larger or easier to get and you know that attenders in general are shallower than members so why wouldn't you talk about well, we have 422 people that are in this thing, man. Why wouldn't that be the touted number that goes out? No, it's we 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 peaked over 1,000 this week in this campus. Whatever. All these churches with uh, all these attenders, just try one experiment for the next month for four Sundays in a row. Turn the air conditioning off. Turn the heat off. Just turn it off for four Sundays in a row, and then talk about the attendance. Well, and and then say, hey, the money we're saving on the electric bill, we're actually giving it to a nonprofit organization. At, after, at, on the fifth Sunday when you turn the heat and air back on, then tell people. But I would just say, hey, listen, the air, air conditioning's kind of messed up. It's just going to be, it's, yeah, we're not going to have coffee and donuts. Honestly, we're not even going to have a sound system. Our power's just messed up. But don't worry, we're going to get it fixed and just do it. And just show me that fifth week. On the fifth week, tell everybody we saved this much money and then put it, uh, tell them where it went and then ask them, hey, so do y'all want to do it again or do y'all want your coffee back next week? Tell all 100 that are left. <laughs> I, I, I'm saying I don't, I don't even think that people will come. I think people will bail. I can't go there. I mean, they didn't even have a sound system. Don't, no, but don't you think the people that stayed would yeah, say, the people that let's stayed do it would again. be more powerful. That's yeah, my point. Say, let's the do people that, that again. stayed would be more powerful. I mean, give me 100 people. That's what I'm saying. Jesus goes, give me 12 people that just sold out, and we'll change the world. 
and one of them will be the, the, the killer of me, but give me 12 that are on board, and we'll do some crazy stuff. Not, hey, I have a 1,000 that are lukewarm. That peaked in. That, that, you know, man, they heard a message about themselves, and they really feel like they should join a small group, and then by Wednesday they don't think about it anymore. And we're being pretty critical here. I, I, well, I, let me clarify. Church does good. I work at a church. It does amazing things, and I, I believe that. I wouldn't work there if I didn't. And they even allow us to get these thoughts out that we're saying right now. I mean, a lot of churches wouldn't do this, but I'm just saying, I, I just, I am frustrated. Like, man, we, we can't just do something amazing. I mean, we get this short life and just, I mean, it's ah, just come natural. On. I mean, we, everybody cares about the president, even though he doesn't matter versus your local government. And people like to get Ben Ashave about Perry Noble and it's, whatever. I mean, and it's all just a, it's all going to fly by. But I just, I have been thinking like, man, I really do want to be, people go, man, what if? We were radical, and we just gave. And it's, it's too broad. I want to say, hey, give or don't come back. Hey, pray or don't come back. Hold me accountable to that. Hey, hey, Toby, did you pray this week? No. Man, you beat it. Yeah, you've I, how's that working out? You've definitely, you've definitely won me over on that, too, because there's other choices. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, okay, well, if you don't come to this church, there's no other church for you to go to. So Toby could say, Hey, only come back if you're going to give of your time and of your financial resources. If you're not going to do those things, please don't come back. Let me toss another radical idea on that one. How about the idea where every if you didn't care about your church attendance and you just cared about what was going on and you said, no matter what, this church, every single person must give. And if you don't give, then you will be taking then the money that other people give, you're going to have to accept it. So if you didn't want to give because everybody goes, well, I was kind of tight this week, well, then the pastor's going to show up at your house on Wednesday and say, hey, man, we noticed you didn't give, so here's like $500 from all the other people. You know how ashamed that person would be? that they didn't, You know what I mean? Like, hey, well, that's what the money's for, right? If some people you can't afford to give, then sh- surely you need some help. And here it is. This is from your brothers and sisters. They're giving it to you. So you're either at my church, you're either giving or you're receiving, whichever you need. And if you're in a tough time, yeah, we'd be glad to give you our money. That's what it's for. Which, honestly, Matt, that's what's happening regardlessly. Yeah. Um, but it make you it, face they, it. Like, they may hey, not, yeah. They may not be getting money in their hands, but that's what's happening. Yeah, like the guy beside you in the collection plate, if he puts money in and you don't, well, then he's like, yeah, just actually here. Here's my 20. You just put it in your pocket because obviously you need it. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't even want to do that to shame somebody. That should just be real. That should be the way it is. Well, and, I mean, that is the reality now. That is what we have. But it's just people, it's so passive, you don't notice it. But you are a taker if you're not a giver. It's not because you're poor. If it, if you are poor, we'd love to give you money, wouldn't we? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, giving is hard. That's what I'm saying. Let's 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 talk. Let's really be honest, though. I mean, be real, not just like, hey, man, we're going to do this, this, and that. I mean, like, the, the sermons I've heard that are real and kind of cut to the chase a little bit, man, people, it makes people a little uncomfortable. And I'm just like, man, that's okay, then something started. If if we if you're in church and you feel uncomfortable about what what's being said, that means something is actually happening. Yeah, you if, know if what? You I'll, leave and just go. Yeah, that was great, man. Wow, I love it. Then that means it was about you. And okay, so be it. Maybe you'll be nicer to your wife this week. So but, something else that could make you feel a little uncomfortable, Toby, is me and Matt knowing what you're looking at online. And we do know oh. because we get reports from oh, X3 Watch about you every week. So X3 Watch is software that reports to Joey and I exactly what inappropriate shit Toby looks at on the internet. Yeah, and right after the Packer lost, we saw that Toby was on pictures of Brett Favre's penis. I think that's kind of a way for you to heal <laughs> from a Packers loss as you look that's at their, I, their legendary quarterback's penis. I was so devastated by that loss, there was only one place I could turn. 
<laughs> to the one wean that could that help me won a Super Bowl with that wiener. So, yeah. Matt, what's the benefit for our folks to go through us? Okay, so X3 Watch, like we said, is software that helps you stay accountable to other people and report your internet browsing habits and even block you from sites that you don't want to visit. We think pornography is destructive for you. We don't need to comment on the whole society and what people are free to do. Not the biggest point. The point is, you out there listening, we know uh, most of the people who listen to this podcast wish they looked at pornography less than they do. I'll put it that way. This is a simple tool to help you avoid looking at it and help hold yourself accountable to other people. So if you go to x3watch.com forward slash bad Christian, you can get the full version of the software for half off, thanks to Toby, Joey, and I. And there's a free version too, so at least get that. And it'll at least help you start reporting, being honest, and open up. And before you do that, you just all you got to do is remember you need to confess stuff. That's what the whole point of it is. The, so, the software is a tool and it's helpful, but the real point of it is you being honest about who you are, what you do, what you don't want to do, and what you wind up doing sometimes when you're weak. You know, and in general, y'all just knock it off. Stop it with the pornography. It's, it really is not a good thing. X3 Watch will help you. X3Watch.com forward slash bad Christian. And today's motto is you know you're looking at Brett Favre's wiener. Get X3 Watch. Yeah. And if, it, honestly, if you don't stop, we're going to come to your house and cut your balls off. Yeah. Toby will. Or Toby will do that. All right. So Are we ramped up on the church talk today? All that church talk? Is that just because we're having the Reformed Pubcast guys on here? Yeah, we should ask yeah. them some questions along those lines. They'll probably be way nicer and won't use profanity like shit or damn or hell. Uh, I, they have the link and they said they're good to go. All right. So we'll be back in just a minute with the folks from another podcast, the Reformed Pubcast. This is where we usually take a break, but instead of taking a break, I'm going to do our ad here just, just right in the episode. Sound good to you? Sounds great, man. Well, you know how I'm always talking about the things the internet can do for us that, that we've never been able to do before? Yes. I found us another sponsor that is taking advantage of that. Wow. So, have you heard of Casper? Yes. Casper is an online mattress retailer that makes premium mattresses for like a fraction of the price because the mattress industry is forced customers for years and years into paying super high markups for the showrooms and the middlemen and all that stuff. But Casper's revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing the savings directly on to the consumer. Well, that sounds just about as awesome as it can get. Since I found Casper yeah. and since they wanted us to sponsor the show, yes. the, the really good news is Bridget and I have been sleeping on a king-size Casper mattress that they sent me for the last three weeks. No way. <laughs> Are you being serious? Yeah, so, so, and I'm loving every minute in it, so screw you guys. I found the sponsor. Bad news is you didn't get one. So Bridget and I got a king-size mattress, and it is amazing. We've been sleeping on it for weeks. I didn't, but I didn't want to tell you till we did the spot. I, I am very jealous mad. right now. I am mad. <laughs> I am jealous. I've heard about them. I've seen their website, and uh, they have awesome deals. So now, I mean, but you even got it back. Yeah, I got. I did. I did get it for free. So, uh, but yeah, I just thought that'd be funny to bring up here on the air that. Now, go f now, what I would recommend to you is go find some awesome sponsors, Yeah, and then you can get more free stuff, too. Anyway, right. the quality of it, first of all, is amazing. It's, like, super supportive. They, what they do is they use a mix of premium latex foam and memory foam. So it's, it's really, really good. I'm sleeping like a baby. My back feels better. 
totally everything. You look so, great. Well, yeah. Now, I did get mine free, but the cost is incredible. Even the twin mattresses start down at like $500 nice. and uh, up to the Kings, which are under $1,000. So anybody can get a mattress that will is greatly better than the ones that, that you have now. Yeah. The, now, the best part is the when it, when it gets delivered, it comes in this actually tiny box. It's super exciting. It gets delivered. It's all rolled up and compressed. You cut the foam, and then it just boom it busts open and it's ready to go and you totally expand so opening the package and the way they deliver it is amazing in itself and the best part about it is it's risk-free like instead of going to the showroom and laying on it for two minutes you get it from casper it's a great deal you sleep on it for up to a hundred days and if it's not the thing for you you just send it right back if you don't like it nice. so anybody in there's no reason why anybody shouldn't shouldn't do this now if you're a bc pod listener then you just go to www.casper.com forward slash bcpod and you'll get $50 off of your mattress. So wow. I'm assuming all of our listeners will, will do it. I sleep on one. I love it. $50 off. It's incredibly engineered, shockingly low price. It's got just the right bounce, just the right sink, and it's uh, risk-free. So no reason for anybody not to try it. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. Also, it's made in America. Wow. So... Next time, you find us a good sponsor, and maybe you can cash in. Uh, well, that's really awesome. I actually did, and I just want to say thank you to Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's casper.com forward slash bcpod. All right, let's jump in here with our interview with the Reformed Pubcast. Uh, this is Tanner and Les from the Reformed Pubcast for everybody out there paying attention. Hello. Hello. Welcome. So you guys... Um, I've got to hear y'all's reaction. Um, Matt one time explained his philosophy here on Bad Christian Podcast as to why Americans should not feel ashamed of drinking Bud Light, <laughs> Budweiser, Coors Light, and all the kings of beers. Matt, you want to review that philosophy? Well, just, to put, just to put it simply, it's very American. If you went to Costa Rica and they were drinking Imperial, which is what they drink down there, that's the Costa Rican beer, it's it's like right on. Hell yeah. Of course they are. So if you're in America, you can, you know, drink a Budweiser. That's a good thing to do. There's nothing wrong with it. You don't have to be snobbier than that. You can like anything fancier you want to, but you can't knock just the real deal American domestic light beer. You can't. All right. Now you guys just go off and on him and just use profanity go <laughs> no no profanity no we're not i mean we've we've said we're well i mean tanner's definitely the the one to actually answer this but we're not beer snobs we just like good beer we're not so, beer snobs we're beer i say i'm not a beer snob i'm a beer geek yeah so if somebody wants to drink you know we're not gonna like tell, tell anybody that they're wrong or they have bad taste um so y'all drink bud light I do. I, not, no. I I will if if you know if I'm at a friend's house or it's it's an occasion and that's all anybody has. And, and you just and have you, to yeah drink. because you couldn't not drink. You have down. to right. Like, you, some yeah, you have to drink. That's all they got. <laughs> well, You're at somebody's somebody, house and they only have Bud Light. You got to exactly. If somebody offers it to me, I will say yes, please, and I will enjoy it. <laughs> See, we uh, I'm I'm we, more with you guys. By the way, like Toby and Matt are totally satisfied with just drinking like Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light. I just can't get into Miller Light, but I love Miller Light. I definitely gravitate towards the good. Well, think about beers. this though: for the last ten to fifteen years, we've been at clubs for many days of the year, and when they they buy the beer for you, it's part of the deal. And 
they bring it out, it's always going to be that. It's always going to be some light beer. I mean, sometimes you get something nice, and we do. Some, yeah, like I love Mexican beers. I mean, they're most of them are light. I mean, you know, you can get a amber Dose Keys or something like that, or or uh, like I like Negra Medela. I mean, I like nicer beers, but I mean, it's kind of like pizza. Like honestly, my favorite pizza I've said Word so many up. times is Little Caesars. The reason why is the price and the taste are great. So I like. I mean, if I'm going to go, like I love Pagliacci's in Seattle. It's a thirty dollar pizza. That's like a steak compared to a hamburger. I I love hamburgers, but I like a steak every once in a while. So I, I just think like if I'm just going to be drinking something, yeah, I, I go you know just Bud Light, dude. It just you, you can't go wrong. <laughs> so do y'all drink when you do your podcast? Yeah. Is that a rule since you're a pubcast? You actually yes. try to create the environment of a pub over the audio waves over the internet. Yeah, it sounds like you guys talk about what what exactly you're drinking each episode, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to say it's a rule. I mean, um, there's been plenty of episodes where uh, I'm in med school, so uh, we record on Saturdays. So if I have to go back and study, I'll usually just have coffee or tea. Um, or, um, but it's it's definitely a big part of our show. I'm a, I'm a home brewer, and uh, beer is basically my hobby. So um, we definitely love to talk about different types of beer, and I like to share homebrew recipes. And um, yeah, so uh, it's definitely a huge part of our show. Have you ever had a guest on your show that uh, doesn't believe in Christians drinking? That would doesn't, be doesn't believe. I don't. I don't know if I would say they don't believe in it. Uh, I think most of those people probably wouldn't want to come on our show. That's true. <laughs> but uh, but we have had people who definitely don't drink. Right. Um, uh, James White, for example, is a, a t- you know a teacher that we really really love, and we had him on, and and he doesn't drink, and he hates alcohol as. You know, he hates the taste of it. He hates the, what it does to him. Like, he, he just doesn't care for it at all. But he doesn't have any kind of theological reason why a Christian couldn't drink. Yeah, I heard, like, whenever he drinks, he's like, he gets real crazy and super funny and awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't like it. Those, oh, theolo- so those, with James White. Okay. those theologians, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I really don't know a whole lot of history to the pubcast. You guys have been doing it for how long now? Um, a year and a couple months. Like what, what would you guys, I mean, can you even answer this question? I I don't know if I could answer this question about ours, but like, are y'all setting out to do something? What What does that mean? Like, you mean, you want them to, like, is there, is there like a agenda slash vision slash here's what we're trying to accomplish? Um, I I guess like for me, uh, I guess the, First and foremost, our agenda is just to uh, just show that I, I don't know destigmatize the conversations that have to be surrounded by uh, or surrounded uh, or take place when Christians open a Bible um, and get together and talk. I feel like that um, Les and I would just get together and we would you know talk theology and we would drink beer and we would play board games and we would play video games. And we decided to start recording it, and um, we just saw that there was kind of a missing little niche for geek culture, beer culture, um, surrounded by, uh, you know, a Christian worldview. And um, so we're just trying to, I don't know, a lot of people just say that the great thing about our, you know, our Facebook group and this podcast is that um, it just shows that just Christians are normal. Most Christians are just normal people. We're not all theologians. We all have other interests. We have hobbies, we have things that we love, and just because we're Christians doesn't mean we can't also enjoy other things. So, and and for us specifically, a lot of that conversation is surrounded, um, you know, the partaking and, and drinking alcohol. 
um, just because Bless and I both really love beer. Um, yeah. So, and that's probably one of the most, uh, I guess, taboo things uh, that we do on our show. So it seems to be the uh, the biggest focus for people. But you know, one of the things that we do, I'd say, probably every fifteen episodes, we have to talk about um, the biblical view on alcohol. And we have to, you know, revisit this idea that anything in God's creation can be bastardized um, if if abused. Um, and, you know, and it's not just alcohol. There's many things. Yeah, I think uh, what I like what you're saying is it sounds like to me uh, you are pairing uh, drinking beer, which is, like you said, a hobby and, and something that you enjoy with fellowship, which is what we should all want. You know what I mean? Like that that's yeah. the thing. That's when I get frustrated with people. It's like, hey, you know, yeah, I drink, but my church, you know, I'm not, not I, I kind of do it at my house. Like most things happen when you're alone. So like, I, I feel like you would abuse alcohol if you're alone, or, it's, or it's at least it would be easier to than with your fellow brother in Christ, uh, wa- watching a game, playing a game, whatever, hanging out together, brewing beer together. Like that's when it, it's the, it's probably a less chance of Do y'all of, have any go-to verses or verses that you find or co- when you say you do that every 15 episodes that are verses that are commonly uh, misunderstood or you straighten out for people or go-tos on Bible verses about alcohol? Well, there's, I mean, there's just entire um, concepts throughout Scripture, like um, in the Old and New Testaments both, um, God prescribed alcohol to be used in the, in the worship of him. Um, in the feasts, they drank wine. Uh, Jesus' blood is represented by wine in the New Testament. And we see these, these some, I mean, some of these stories, if you actually, like, sit down and look at them, you know, the average sort of conservative Southern Baptist that doesn't, that hates alcohol would blush at them. We talk about, like, the, the wedding at Cana. Jesus shows up, and the wine is, is gone, and the party's basically over because, you know, there's, there's no more, nothing else to drink. So they drank all of it. And then Jesus gets these these basins, and he makes hundreds of gallons of wine <laughs> uh, for these people who had already drunk all the wine. Um, so, I mean, just, like, think about that scene. Um, I guarantee some people wouldn't have been able to drive home um, after the party if, if, if that was the culture they lived in. I mean, and, and, you know, don't get us wrong, we're not, we're not promoting drunkenness or anything like that, but— like the Bible is not nearly as shy about alcohol as we are. It's just a part of life, and it's okay. And God made it. And and why not? Why not? Instead of instead of saying this thing can be abused, so let's never even look at it. Why not say maybe we should have examples of the proper way? Do y'all ever get drunk? No, I mean, I've been a... I've been drunk. I don't make a I don't make a habit of it. Um, I mean, it happens sometimes, uh, but very, very rarely. It's not, it's not really my pursuit when I drink. I mean, especially because I mostly drink, I mostly drink beer, and my purpose for drinking beer is much more culinary than I guess you know a lot of people are. Mostly because I brew it, so I'm always when I'm drinking beer, I'm always analyzing, and uh, it's like the difference between you know, like someone who cooks and is really into cooking. Uh, probably when they go out to a nice restaurant is much more in tune with what they're eating. I don't know. I kind of treat beer like the way French treat food and that they, they take little, little bits of this and that, and they kind of are really focusing on, you know, what it's offering. And, and I know that sounds really ridiculous and geeky, but it's my hobby. And, and so when I'm, when I'm drinking beer, I'm really looking for more of the experience of the taste than I am for, you know, the, the, the experience of the alcohol, of course, the experience is there. And that's one thing that Les and I always say, 
if you feel the if you feel the effects of alcohol, that's not that's not necessarily uh, a sinful thing. God's not surprised by the fact that yeast metabolize sugar and make alcohol. He didn't make a mistake and go, "Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? These little creatures are making alcohol." You know, like he wasn't surprised. It was purposeful in his creation. But there's also restraint there that that you know I believe uh, needs to be there. And I believe the Bible is pretty clear about it. You know, there is a point where if you're out of control of yourself and you're not bringing glory to God in the state that you're in, then I would say you all want to franchise out the reformed weed cast, too. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, that's a whole that that is an important discussion, I think. I think uh, Christians do need to actually revisit that entire idea of of how sinful is marijuana and I'm not answering that question with it's not sinful. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We we've we talked about it on the show a few times. Um, it's it's just something that that we should really rethink because we've already made up our minds about it a long time ago. And now as the culture is changing, well, that's probably a lot of things way but, way beyond weed. I mean, that's probably that's what I feel like ninety not ninety fifty five percent of stuff in Christianity stuff you just you adopt, you know, and then maybe you'll think about it later and maybe you'll confirm it. But I mean, that, that's that's kind of what we do with everything in in all of Christianity, maybe of all culture. But yeah, well, it's crazy because traditions and and stick to them. I mean, but not, as far as alcohol goes, we we're actually told a lot of things about alcohol in Scripture, so. So you can look at Scripture and build a pretty full and balanced theology around alcohol, and you're not going to end up with people who say alcohol is a sin, because biblically, it clearly is not. Yeah, and I really think that there needs to be, you know, I, like Les and I have talked about this multiple times on the cast, when you're doing something, you know, I think the, the key is asking yourself the question of, as, as, God, as God's creation— our sole purpose on this earth is to glorify him now and, and then in eternity. You know, checking your conscience as a Christian is always checking back to is what I'm doing is my pursuit and then the result of my pursuit glorifying the Lord. You know, there's a lot of things surrounded by alcohol that are very sinful. People go out and they get totally obliterated and they lose inhibition and they lose, uh, you know, they black out and all kinds of things happens and, and, you know, the whole culture of alcohol, there is a lot of sin surrounding it. So what is your pursuit when you're going out and you're, and if you're like, I'm going to go out, I'm going to get drunk and I'm going to make really bad decisions tonight. Ask yourself, is that glorifying to the Lord? Is that, is that advancing his kingdom in any way? If that's your pursuit, then, then you're using alcohol in an abusive way and in a way that the creator has not designed it to be used. So that that's really what we try to focus on when we talk about alcohol. Me getting together with Les and having some beers and fellowshipping with my brother and sometimes even the inhibition, the the, the lack of inhibition that comes. Like I I recently a couple months ago had a, had a, a beer with a brother that I had he, he he met us through the through the Facebook group and I had never met him face to face. We went out and had a couple beers. And because of the effects of alcohol, of just kind of letting down your guard a little bit, we had an amazing fellowship. We opened up to each other. We revealed some things that two guys would never sitting around in a bar reveal what to each it? other because, you know, we're closed off. Yeah. What was it? <laughs> Controversy. What do you got? No, it was just, it was just like, you know, like, like accountability stuff and just talking yeah. about struggles we've had in our marriages and things like that. Just stuff that, you know, guys trying to be tough would just not admit but there was an amazing fellowship that came to that, and it brought glory to God. And we, you know, we got in the Word together, and we were just 
just opening up to one each other, uh, one another. And that's totally different than saying, I'm going to go out, I'm going to get wasted, I'm going to make really bad decisions. There's a way to be to, for it to be done right. And there's a way to be for it to be done wrong. And you just you always have to be analyzing that, I think. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I, so for people that may be hearing about you guys for the first time and they don't give a rat's ass about beer, uh-huh. give them some reasons why they should listen to you guys. I And <laughs> I was telling uh, one of y'all that your website is really, really neat. Like I keep playing around with it. And I want to hear about the Reformed KidCast as well. But what are some other things that you guys talk about and... Um, you know, if someone doesn't care about craft beer, why should they listen? Um, well, we are making the podcast that we want to, you know, that we would love to listen to, basically. So yeah. we used to, uh, Tanner and I both uh, have listened to, like, theology podcasts for a What's a theology podcast? And Not, like, preaching? We, I mean, like, wh- like what? Yeah, uh, like, like the Dividing apologetics. Line. Like, Dividing Line, White Horse Inn. Um, there's just a, a ton of, of great... Apology uh, or Radio. Yeah, Apology or Radio. Uh, there's, we, I've gone through like entire like theology courses through iTunes for free, um, podcasts like that. So those are the kinds of things that we listen to. And then we also, uh, sort of have like our comedy podcasts and our, you know, entertainment podcasts that we listen to. So when we sort of decided we wanted to start doing this, we kind of just grabbed from everything and just like, what would we have fun doing? What would you really like to talk about? So our show is we play games like uh, we uh, do like would you rather kind of games and uh, you know play out fun fantasies or whatever and then we make we, fun of her- heretics we make fun of heretics uh, right like modern um, ones or ancient ones who's the modern who's the modern heretics both, yeah. we, you clown on all right so y'all have made fun yeah. of us now who's we the modern that. heretics to clown on. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the big one is Joel Osteen, which you guys touched on last week, which I what which did we I say? Um, oh, you, you you were just talking about how you were beating him in the in the. Oh yeah, the I, I like Toby <laughs> said he wanted uh, John Piper to fear our podcast. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. Not, not his radar. <laughs> He's worried. Yeah, he really is. Um, but but a big part of our show is we talk about theology. So I mean, if you had to sum it all up, we are. Beer and theology. As our outro song says, the theology of Calvin and the thirst of Luther. Yeah. Nice. So you guys so you guys are Calvinists? Are you big? Oh yeah. Arminian? The what, part is that suggests a big... some stuff there. What does that mean to y'all? Wait, when when they hear Arminian, they hear dumbass mother ever. Oh really? No, That's no, no. <laughs> no, we hear we hear what exactly what we were like five years ago and we, by God's grace, we uh, revealed some things to us, and we. So, how far do you guys go with Calvinism? Are you like all the way, no free will, anything? Yeah, we're we're full on Calvinists. Like admitted, wow, like hardcore. fully admitted Calvinists. That must other people would call that hyper Calvinism, then, right? Well, what's There's farther down the continuum uh, than you? Where do you get off? Well, well, I would say, <laughs> uh, well, Calvinism is. We, I mean, we would say it's just a, it's it's the sort of the end result of the Reformation. And the whole point of the Reformation was to get back to what Scripture mm-hmm. says, get rid of all these traditions, which started with you know breaking away from the Roman Catholic Church and stuff like that. We would say Calvinism is as much a summary of the Bible as you can possibly you know get theologically, and then but something like hyper Calvinism is actually uh, when you take uh, a doctrine within Calvinism and then you set it over against another clearly biblical doctrine. 
for example, if you believe in election and you say, since God has chosen who he's going to save, then I don't have to evangelize, um, even though the Bible clearly says you do. So that's hyper-Calvinism, when you're actually pitting things against each other because of a quote-unquote Calvinist You think it's doctrine. the only right interpretation? I mean, you're saying the right interpretation of the Bible equals Calvinism? Uh, yes. Yes, I would say Calvinism is the clearest summary of Scripture. I would, um, I would take it even a step further and say that Calvinism is the only way that you can read the Bible and be consistent, because— um, yeah, because, I mean, if I feel like people dance around God's sovereignty a lot, um, and they, they put a clause to God's sovereignty, and if God is as sovereign as the Scripture says he is, then Calvinism can be the only way in order to read Scripture Now, I bet I would line up you, with you on probably most individual issues, but the thought of just full-on the way that you're affirming Calvinism gives me a little bit of pause. I would hesitate to identify that strongly with what I would say is what do you, group, but what, what do you, what oh, no, you I up? mean, just, just literally the, the English category of the word Calvinism and what's associated with it. Not none of the, do, the doctrine is probably less. So I just don't necessarily think about the camp. What would you say bothers you the most about, about, the oh, well, I'm, I think that it has the connotation of being arrogant and overeducated sounding and, less than gracious with others, I would say. So that I, I usually wouldn't use the word of, but as far as what is God's sovereignty, how far do I go on that? Um, I bet you may be probably similar to you guys. So you're, Matt, you're saying that it implies that, hey, I'm chosen by God and you're not, nah, yeah, nah, exactly. nah, 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 <laughs> like that? No, it feels that way. I'm sure, a lot of people think <laughs> well, it feels that way, I'm sure. Plus, the more educated somebody is, it t- they tend to be in that camp, and then it kind of seems can come across snobby or something. I don't know. It's weird. If our critics have anything to say about that, we are certainly not overeducated. That's kind yeah. of, you know, another thing that, like, you know, we're doing with our podcast is showing that, you know, lay people can talk about theology in a non-arrogant way. Because, you know, something less than I say all the time is that we're just we're really just two idiots. You know, I mean, I'm not I'm not a theologian. I'm, you know, I'm not a in the sense that I'm not somebody who's been educated in seminary. I don't speak of Calvinism in a way that I think I'm better than other people who aren't Calvinists. I mean, so, I mean, I, I definitely understand your argument, but your argument is based on how people treat a doctrine, not Okay, the doctrine I put it this itself. way. How about that, this? This is what, that's what freaks me out about that is that uh, to identify as anything other than just Bible-believing Christian freaks me out. Right, and I would say that I'm no, a Bible-believing Christian. No, I know, but you call Christian. that Calvinism. Well, Calvinism, and that's like, I feel like that those those types of arguments are, you know, like people will take Calvinism and say, oh, well, you're you're following Calvin, not Jesus. But the, the reality is, is that, you know, when we talk about even the um, Protestant Reformation, for instance, like we can say that we're Protestants and we can say that what Luther did in the Protestant Reformation, we can all agree here because we're all Protestants, that what he did was biblically accurate. That doesn't mean that we are following Luther. We're, we we acknowledge the fact that God, in His sovereignty, in you know, gave Luther the ability to see some serious errors within the Catholic Church and bring those out and challenge those things. So we're not Luther worshipers. We're not you know we're not following you know Luther. We're just acknowledging the fact that what Luther brought out and what he you know nailed on the door on Wittenberg's door uh, was clearly a the right interpretation of Scripture. Was what Rome was doing was wrong, and Luther just brought it to light. 
So we're Calvinists only because we agree with what Calvin wrote about. We're not Calvinists because we follow Calvin. We just agree with him. What would you say, you know, as far as like Luther having uh, an accurate interpretation of Scripture? I mean, what would you say to the fact that Luther obviously doesn't even believe in our modern day canon or did not back then believe in the books that are in there now? That's why, like, I, I would say that Toby and Matt are probably more conservative than I am with, with how they view the Bible. I just think that there is so much more mystery involved. Now, do I think Jesus is the only way? Yes. Do I think Jesus is God? Yes, absolutely. Do Do I think sin separates us from God? Yes. Then we need Jesus. Yes. And I stand hard on that stuff. I just think there's so much, though, that we don't know. So when I read the Bible from cover to cover if anything in the old testament i read way more free will it's like if you do this god will do that choose good and god will bless you choose evil and god will i mean it's just i'm like like i thought when i studied the old testament i was going to come around as like a hardcore calvinist and i was like holy crap like this is unbelievable now the new testament i for sure think it leans more towards a predestination deal. I can't help to think, though, that if the Bible is really inspired by God who knows eternity past to eternity future, there's got to be a reflection of that omniscience, but I don't necessarily think that that is a reflection of of people being damned to hell no matter what or picked by God. No yeah, well, let's what. just, you guys answer this question. You guys believe that God created people to go to hell? That's what a, a maybe, you know, somebody that doesn't understand Calvinism, and that's probably like the biggest tenet of it or, or whatever, right? That God predestined people objection. from the beginning. Yeah, the biggest pushback. Or, or yeah, the reason why people don't like it, don't want to like it. Well, uh, so the doctrine of predestination, the starting point needs to be us and our condition. But I mean, if, if you believe that God predestined people, then they didn't even get a choice. They were just sinners no matter what. So, like, is he really mad that he created somebody a sinner? Like that—that—that's that, where. Like, I—I'm actually probably with you guys. Like, I don't—I don't really believe we have any free will at all. I think that's just kind of a illusion or a illusion that we think we have. I—I I can't fight against. I—I I didn't get to choose gravity, or I didn't get to choose that I have to eat or I breathe oxygen. So why do I think I have this choice to talk God into getting me into heaven? Like, I just don't think so. I think it's all up to God, and I—and I'm totally okay with that. God could. I've said this on the podcast before. If God wanted to, he'd be totally right to every single day hit me over the head with a baseball bat. Uh, so, yeah, so you said you said a couple things. Um, so from our perspective, we wouldn't say that God created us sinners. Um, we would say that God created everything good, um, and there was no sin uh, in the world. And, th- you know, we would say we believe completely in the doctrine of original sin, that, that Adam could have sinned or not sinned, and he chose uh, to sin, and then all of mankind so fell. Adam had into free sin. will, right? Ad- Adam had free will in a way that um, no one else uh, ever has had. Because when Adam fell, uh, we were so influenced by that that we're actually born sinful and and guilty. Right. Um, so that's one of the biggest mistakes that I find that Christians make when talking about Calvinism or when they have issues with Calvinism is that in, in Romans five, it's, it's really one of the most beautiful pictures of, of what we are in Adam and what we now are in Christ. And so one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they think that we're condemned because of our sin, but we're condemned because of Adam. Now we do indeed sin, um, because our nature is sinful, but in Romans five through about the middle of six, 
Paul lays out this whole picture of how that we when 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 Adam sinned, we sinned. But when Christ died, we died, and then when Christ resurrected, we were resurrected. So just as in it to make to make it consistent, just as in we were condemned in Adam, we are redeemed in Christ. Both things we had nothing to do with, even though we partake in our own sin. We we have been condemned in Adam and been set free in Christ. And so that's that's the beautiful picture of the, you know, the the title in, you know, in my Bible, I don't know about your Bible, but it says the title is Death in Adam, Life in Christ. As Calvinists, what what we're saying is is that is that we are condemned from conception. We are sinful from conception. And the most important thing to catch on to on this is that, you know, the thing that I've always clinged on to and what really showed, you know, what really convinced me of Reformed theology was that how am I as a dead man in Adam, condemned, sinful to the core, capable of choosing Christ as a savior? I want nothing to do with Christ. I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you remember what you were in your your pre-saved state. But when I wasn't a Christian, I hated God. I didn't want anything to do with him. There was no way that I was going to ever choose this life as a Christian. It took a change, a change of nature. It took God reaching in and completely regenerating my heart, which is the language that Reformed people use. He breathed new life into me and made me capable of seeing Christ as a beautiful thing mm-hmm. and made me capable of seeing the gospel as something desirable, something that I needed. Before then, I, I didn't care. What, what did, I mean... Look at the rest of the world and how they how they see God. What is it? What is it that takes a dead man loving his sin and makes him pick up his cross and follow Christ? That's the biggest question when we talk about reformed theology. Yeah, I mean, but you know, you have the passage where uh, well, I tell you what, let, let me back up. Here here's a question that I have and I I think that until a point in my life where I've just like maybe Calvinism is true and just studied the heck out of it and I just came out on the other side and and I I you know, very well could be stupid for it, but I you think, are. thank you. I think at the very least, uh, a Calvinist has to admit in our finite human minds, it makes God to at least seem to be an unfair monster. And, and here, and here's why I would say that is there's not one of us that would think Toby admirable if he, saw his three kids, Ruby, Ike, and June, drowning. And he could jump in to save all three of them, but he's just like, you know what? Out of just grace and goodness, I'm choosing two of them. And one of them, I'm just not going to. I could, I just don't want to. All of us would be like, you sick son of a bitch. Like, but your, but your analogy is your analogy's flawed because what you're, not, what you're not including is the fact that he, if indeed he jumped in and, and reached for all of them, they're fighting back and letting themselves drown. They don't want to be saved. That's me, the flaw in your analogy. I have a I actually have a they whoa, enjoy whoa. their drowning. That's exactly how people are when they're when when they're sinning, they don't want to be saved. They're 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 pushing God away and they want they want to drown. We we're we're the subjects of our creator, the the king. Uh, instead of instead of his his loving children who are just playing around in a puddle, we're we're actually enemies of his and we've so you're saying though then that as a whole god hates humanity we are his enemies we are at enmity with god so you say right so you would say god hates 
but only because there was original free choice, but now we don't have it because of sin. I have, that, I have no problem using even the word yeah. hates. Uh, there's this sense in which because we are but, we are sinners, we are so there's no choice. Sinners. Like for that's what I'm saying though. Like there, it, that's where people and I'm playing devil's advocate here. I, sure. Like I said, I think I agree with you guys, but just for like a lot of our listeners and people that. It, it because it's way easier to swallow. God loves everybody. He's going to do everything he can to of save course. you. It's it's not easy to go. Yeah, God made some people for this and some people for that. And and, and that, I'm even blowing that out of context. But what I'm saying is, yeah, Adam had a choice. He said no. So that that's it. None of us have a choice. We are going to sin. And then God chooses some of us. When I read the Bible, like I'm going through the Gospels right now, and it is hilarious to me how simplified jesus talks to everybody. he talks to everybody just like i talked to my one-year-old i mean i mean seriously he's not going hey listen let me break this down for you in the whole history of the he does he says listen just try to treat your neighbor like you want to be treated like i mean it's like it's not like anything like super crazy or wild like i mean our sin we're consumed with it yeah man we're super oh man that shows that we you know this you know, I, lo- I looked on a woman, and I listened. I'm not saying it's not bad. Don't get me wrong. Don't hear me wrong. Of course, that stuff is an example of why we are falling out of relationship with God and all that stuff. But I think we get caught up in that. And then, honestly, what I don't, where I think people get thrown off from well, what you guys are saying is just the fact that yeah, well, some people got chosen, you got chosen, they didn't, well, wait, right? Are you, well, are you saying did, that that? Let me respond real quick. Okay. I, here's here's something I want to say about what you said. Like you had said that God isn't isn't as it's not as big of a deal to him um, as as we seem to make it because and, it, because with the relationship there would be no sin right okay, if well, we were if well, we were me, renewed let me, and let redeemed me just say this it, it was such a big deal to god that we sinners that he was willing to sacrifice himself for us yes and and for the relationship cruci- crucify, not the, it, yeah right, but for well, the but not for not the end too much drinking i mean that that'll come through the relationship it doesn't matter if you, if God came to die so that we all didn't sin anymore. Oh, okay, so then we're just a bunch of non-sinners. No, uh, he great, didn't come but, to but die it, so we didn't sin anymore. He came to call us back, call, call us back to be our sons but and daughters to not sin anymore. You wouldn't sin came, anymore because of that. To, he came, so you're right, you're absolutely right that he came so that we could have a relationship again, but the only way that we can have a relationship with, with him again... Hold on, that, how do you deal <laughs> with the scripture, he's blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts, nor turn and I would heal them? There's a, I would say that there is a, a judgment that comes with with like unbearable, like continual sin in, in cultures even. Where God, uh, God actually turns people over to their sin, and and hardens their hearts. Because I mean, it, that just doesn't sound. It, here's why I just think there's way more mystery to all of this stuff, and I, I'm not comfortable with landing on free will or predestination for that matter. Is you guys painted a picture of you know the kids in the lake? They were actually fighting really hard not to be saved. I'm reading right here that through the interpretation of of predestination and and God's sovereignty. No, God actually prevented them from even wanting to. Well, so I think what Tanner even... and Les are saying is that those people, that those three kids don't even know they're drowning. And maybe two of, maybe two of them did, and God said, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like you know your, your sin is, is keeping you from God. Like, for Tanner to say when he wasn't a Christian and he hated God is because the whole idea of God and being in relationship with God just didn't even matter to him. It was silly or, or whatever. And and that's what I'm saying. I don't want you guys to get me wrong. I <laughs> I believe sin is bad and it, it affects us and it is 
an example of how screwed up we are. But so why the, is it bad is the key. Like, why it, why right. is sin bad for you? Like, what because do you, it separates us from God. Yeah, because I it keeps, that's what and that's what I'm saying. saying. Because my point, my next point would be, if if this is the case, then our whole goal is to get to heaven and have free will but not sin anymore. So when we get to heaven, we'll have free will, but we won't be just like Adam and Eve. I mean, it, yeah, uh, the, like, a, my, point, my, my point would be, it wouldn't matter that the sin is something that we get caught up in. And we say, oh, if we follow these things and don't do these certain things, then we're, we're getting back together with God. And I think the Calvinist idea is really awesome of, uh, yeah, God could annihilate sin however he chooses. He could annihilate us. He could do whatever. But because he loves us so much, what he really wants is just to see, hey, you can choose me and have free will and it'll be good. <laughs> I mean, you don't, you don't have, you don't, you won't choose sin because of the relationship. Well, we're, you won't, we're you won't throwing... be in, you won't be in heaven and cheating on, uh, uh, God or whatever you want to say because you would be in a relationship with God. So that would even that would be absurd to do something like that, even though so you have free will to do it. Sin is often defined as behavior, just simple behaviors. I agree with you that you know you're you seem to be saying like he's not mad at us because we're drinking, he's mad at us because we're out of relationship. But I would say that even when you you know you you brought up uh, pornography, drinking, all these like little atomized things of sin. In the past, when I looked at internet pornography, for instance, I was worshiping creation rather than creator. So, yeah. and that was the very example you said that brought that brought us out of relationship with God. So, in in every atomized sin, it's impregnated with the fact of us going back to the garden and saying, "I know better than you, God. I know what's good for me." And it's it's all encompassing of that making something above our creator when he's supposed yeah. to be the highest thing. So, yeah, we can sit down all day long and write out lists of all these individual sins, but all of them, put a circle around all of them and and right next to it, worshiping creation rather than the creator. And that's what's separating us from our relationship. Is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about? We got onto that, but yeah, what what can we promote for you guys? Uh, the reform. Yeah, I think podcast. we. I think they got that part. Oh, they got that part. That's, and and that's then the website is just reformpubcast dot com. Yeah, reformpubcast dot com. Um, I I guess since since you give them the chance, uh, there's a like a little kid version of it too, uh, where I go through a catechism with my kids. Uh, where so do we just talk about theology? Uh, with with kids, four twenty kids, minutes long. You mean like so kids to listen to? It's yeah. The show is is for kids and it's by kids. Me and, and my what, children talk about theology. What would be an, awesome. at, what would be your estimate with age appropriateness? Would you say a five year old to a nine year old? Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, would it, younger. Would it four, even be good three. for a parent to listen to so they could use it with their own? Children? Like a dumbass parent that <laughs> yeah. doesn't understand theology. Right. There's there's full on adults that listen to it uh, nice. and they they get something out of it just by themselves. But but yeah, I mean any any age, it's totally family friendly and it's actually teaching theology, just using language that kids can understand. When I said a parent that's like a dumbass, Les Les mouth the words, yeah, like Joey. Wow, <laughs> I thought I did hear that. Yeah, I heard. Man, him. I think one, one one thing that I like about you guys, uh, and and this is what I do like, uh, uh, is it really is about Jesus. Like I love that idea of. of teaching theology to kids and it's not about them hey i'm not gonna give you a three-point sermon here that's all about you and what how this like if you tell people about jesus then it will apply to their life yep. if you tell people about theology use theology yeah. in a way that it, that it expresses the true beauty and the story and how jesus from the beginning to the end and all that whole narrative is just I, that's what i really like and i really appreciate and that's what i hope the world and our pastors start heading more towards less about us and more about god and what that actually does in our lives and and uh, what Jesus can actually do. So, man, this is great. We, we have to do this again. And uh, 
what's what's another hot topic? What? Well, I, I think I think uh, the pastor of the Bad Christian Podcast is going to be on Reform Podcast. Oh, that's right. Here, so Joey's going to be on this. So you guys got to grill him when he comes on y'all show. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a sitting duck. Man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, man, it's, it's yeah, all ready. over for me. Yeah, think of some real tough ones and <laughs> see if you can make Joey cry and and come over to the dark side. So, no, we love it. We love it. We're used to it. You know, we're used to people are always coming at Calvinism. So, see, I'm you know, actually what what's funny is I think I'm farther even than you guys, honestly, because I just don't. I, I literally think we don't get any choice, and I don't. I don't care. I, I, I mean, like I literally think. I don't have really any choice. I think God created everything, has done everything. He, he even gives me my faith. He even gives me the realization that I need him. All that stuff. Like I really, I'm probably farther, even crazier than you guys, just because I think, I mean, I just think God is so omnipotent, so awesome, so all that the only way I can even understand him is by the simplest thing of him saying, hey, don't do this. I so created when, you for this. When you beat your wife today, that was God causing you to do it? No. I didn't beat my wife today, first of all, but what I would say is I actually believe that there is a reason that people are like that. And I don't I, like they like the guy said, I don't think there's any unfairness in that. God can make me whatever he wants. Like I, my, my analogy was going to be, if I go into the kitchen and I make this awesome cake, this awesome pound cake, and then when I get there, I cut it open and the pound cake, so I wouldn't eat it, turned itself into cheese. My idea would be, no, I made you to be a pound cake, and that's what you'll be so good at. I mean, I did all this great stuff to make you the pound cake, and you want to be cheese? Well, let me fit, let's show you how awesome it is to be the pound cake. And then once it realized fully that it was the pound cake, how much happier would it be? <laughs> all right, Tanner and Les, we'll, um, we'll, we'll wrap. I think, no, I, you know, I basically I think, just summed up all of what uh, I, I think, your uh, form podcast is. <laughs> no, I think uh, you actually – just summarized i think calvin wrote about the the pound cake cheese analogy yeah i think it was calvin <laughs> yeah that's historic so we'll wrap I think up that with was the... paula dean last not calvin oh, paula oh yeah dean. that's right we'll, we'll wrap up with the, same the, uh, mo the simplest question possible did god want the fall to happen in the garden of eden yes or no yes can i get yeah. a second yes 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 all right but well, could he lift a rock that he made so heavy he couldn't lift it. Cold busted reform podcast. Cold busted. We'll see well, that hey, next time. All right, everybody, check out <laughs> Guys, the reformed this was podcast. Reformed podcast. It's on iTunes, and you can find it at reformpubcast.com. I've been listening to Emery a lot, uh, and have you ever, you guys ever watched like a lot of a lot of movies with one with the same actor, and then you uh, you go you watch him on like a a talk show or something, and he's like got an Australian accent. And you're just like, what, 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 what? I feel that way when I listen to Emery and I listen to your show. Because the accent, you no accent in the singing. I, I don't understand how an accent goes away completely when people sing. That's crazy to me. Oh, I, have to, I have to work on it. I'm actually a master of different languages and, and accents. So great having you on today, mate. That was, that was really good. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hello, Les and Dana. Thanks for being on our show. See how I did that right there? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> that was really good. Sweet. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you Thank soon, you. Joey. All right. All right. Thanks. See y'all. All right. That was the Reformed Pubcast, guys. Man, that got, uh, got deep. Now, you know what I thought was interesting during that interview is Matt kind of clammed up. I didn't, Matt, I didn't know if you were attending to your child or what. I didn't, you, you really didn't say a lot. I think because Matt agreed with were you. Were you kind of emotional or the, what? Uh, some stuff they said. Also, I mean, to me, it's a little labor. Okay, I'll put it this way. On one hand, I actually don't feel, I feel like it's a little, uh, I don't feel like I grasp it good enough to, to be as definitive or argumentative as other people. I don't really, 
need to weigh in on. I don't feel that strongly about it, really. And I find it real predictable right. back and forth. So it honestly makes me a little bit bored, to tell you the truth. Because I know what they're going to say. Oh, I, I know see. what Joey's going to say. And I don't actually feel like I understand it. But you never like, know yeah, what I'm going to say. say. But I'm but but it feels like <laughs> a very predictable debate to me. And it's, it feels like it, we're unable to. And even I'm not intelligent enough nor do I think anybody else is to really even get at it. So it's like, all right, it's just back and forth. Like, but doesn't that mean this? And doesn't that mean this? So it doesn't go. It kind of stalls out for me after a couple minutes. I think that's the human predicament. It, I actually really enjoy it. I don't know if that's just my small brain, but uh, I, I think it's interesting to hear people's points of views and then to kind of play devil's advocate. Because, no, like I said, I, I, I find actually, it tiresome. It just goes back. It's not a very dimensional conversation. It doesn't. I would. I'd like for it to be more deep, but I don't know if. If it's possible. Yeah, if it could expand a little more. But also, we didn't have that much time. I think we probably could have. But, yeah, I agree. I think sometimes it's, it can get repetitive. And it, it's, it's yep. cyclical because it just kind of goes back. Yeah, but what about this? But what about this? Because, honestly, probably on both sides, you could have yeah. scripture and data to really back up your points. So, you, you know, you can't. It's just what you believe. So that's why people don't talk about politics and religion. But uh, they, they, they did a good job of, of being you know a matter mean? of fact about their points and strong on their stances. So I respect that very much. Joey, are you upset? It's a lot better than your news. Whoa, 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 whoa. You watch your damn... I thought it was funny. Like There was a couple of times where Les went, wow, yeah. are you being serious? Whoa. <laughs> yeah, like he, he was let down. <laughs> it was like, hey, I thought I knew these guys. I don't know them at all. But yeah, I think we won him back over. I think we won him back over. I, I have a good feeling about it. So I thought I thought those guys were cool, but... um. Back to what you just said. Don't ever talk bad about my news. I'll talk about your hey, well, news. Hey, let me, let me just tell you something. To. I'll beat your ass if you okay, do well, that. Well, first of all, we all know that Matt just became your bitch, right, when we started talking about the news. And I don't I'll, like that word. I'll I think that's about, disgusting. Yeah, first of all, I think I try to back Toby and you up all the time during the show because it improves the show. He, he <laughs> has to do three or four times. You're three or four backs. He, he you has know how four hard times it is to he back you up, up with all that back you got? It's a lot of back. Hey, while we were talking to them, though, I really did think it was really funny. Like, I made a joke about you can't see God's face, you know, because Moses had to look at God's backside. But, like, what he did, did Moses really look like at God's butt. Like, butt back? <laughs> it, was, it was like a perfect butt. Like, I mean, just unbelievable. <laughs> or was it just like a mist? I mean, I hope I don't get struck down. Lord, forgive me. I don't. I'm not. I'm not but, I mean, like, seriously, in the Bible, it says that, like, Moses couldn't look. It was too bright to look at his face, so he looked at his backside. That's what you tell like, what's the back of God look like? Your backside. It's your backside, so. I mean, that's crazy. It'd be neat to, I mean, Moses had a crazy life. He's like, I mean, he stuttered real bad, and he saw a bush on fire, and he killed a man, and then he couldn't even get into Canaan, and he was in the desert 40 years with bread floating in the plagues air. All the plagues. Yeah. <laughs> well we're going to hell y'all know moses yeah can i get on with my news some people are anti uh interracial marriages but moses married an ethiopian woman yeah not crazy like people just overlook that of course whites and blacks can get married dumbasses read your damn bibles you're right dude you're exactly right so let's just get do to some more truth for i think that i gave truth dose joey yeah do we have any truth sponsors do we have any damn news sponsors yeah we sure do i just I, re I feel like every time i read sponsors for your news i'm throwing people under the bus that's what i feel like so i feel pretty crappy reading people's names for they your actually news. feel way crappier about hearing yeah. you read Go their, ahead names. With their names let's hear okay them. 
All right, so butcher. this is the Let's BC the Club, people. Thank you for joining the BC Club and supporting this podcast. It's supported and funded and run by you guys. So we need to get a couple hundred thousand more of you guys in the club, and we'll be able to do whatever it is. So tell your neighbors, so tell your friends. We get a couple million groups. people supporting us financially. We really think we can do some special things. We're going to offer new perks. Oh, like, yeah. I think we'll do some, uh, you know, like water, like, Holy water that Joey blesses. Yeah. Uh, what are the what's yeah? The, Joey has yeah, the holy water, and have? then Joey has a. It's like a a small like cloth yeah, that yeah, Joey prayed cloth. over. We'll send and it'll it has There'll healing be a little powers. Tomato sauce. On. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. So um, this is this is this we marks, are going to hell. <laughs> this marks a first, and that is one of the names is someone that Toby and I are friends with. So this is kind of exciting. Nice. So I'm going to start with Tim Kaysen. Thank you. Thank Ken, you, Tim. Ken. Perfect, Joey. Urich. <laughs> Urich. Is it U-R-I-C-H? U-H-R-I-C-H. Urich. And Nick Pilch. Wow, Nick Pilch. Nick, our old buddy, Nick Pilch. Thanks, man. You moved to Tennessee and broke our hearts, but thanks. We have Preston with no last name from Nashville, Tennessee. Mark, His reward's in heaven. Mark Giamino. Yep. Corey Bryson Kick. What a cool last name, man. Yep. Yo, my last name is Kick. Corey Kick, baby. Ryan Eaton. Jesse Kikors. Yep, that's right. Jeremy McKissick. Uh-huh. Cassie Dickerson. Oh, and nice. Andrew Whalen. Thank wow, you so man. Much. Thank you Thank for joining you guys. the BC Club and supporting us. We appreciate it very very much if you want to check out the bc club or sponsor make our show and do the stuff that we do uh forward slash contribute so thank you to everybody all right let's do some news all right in a world where you are in a room with where you know that one of the other guys sitting across you is Headed and built straight for hell. A vessel of <laughs> wrath and destruction. Yep. So I'm a vessel meant for heaven, and you know that his large body was intended to go to hell. <laughs> we are going to hell. This is bad news. This is the damn news. We have the good news. That's what the gospel means, guys. Let me share the gospel. That's what my news is today. <laughs> how's your walk? Matt, walk how's your walk? I'm on a walk. Hey, it's really funny. Uh, I was talking to my friend, uh, John Peace. I don't know if he's going to listen to this or not, but uh, I was just like, hey, I'm going to say a couple things to you. You tell me if you know what I mean. I, was, I said, hey, man, how's your walk? He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, hey, I just want to pour into you. He was like, are you serious? What are you saying to me? I actually, he said, are you joking? What do you mean? So I, I said some Christianese to him, and he was like, he just had no clue, like zero clue at all. I thought it was pretty interesting, but apparently y'all don't. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you you don't get to see the facial reactions that Toby gives when he says. My first like that. bit of news comes from the Huffington Post. Human Ken doll Justin Jedlicka risks blindness to become one hundred percent plastic. And this is, I kind of think this is a human rights story. But uh, Justin Jedlicka, the self-styled human Ken doll, and basically this guy wants to look as much like have the exact proportions and everything as a Ken doll, uh, who has had more than one hundred and ninety cosmetic procedures. In his quixotic quest, quite quixotic. Like How do you know that Quixote word? He's from that. Oh, I have no idea what that even means. I don't even know who Don Quixote is. Quest to become 100% plastic says he risked going blind during a recent surgery. The goal of the extreme operation was to get rid of veins in his forehead. 
He said, I call them Julia Robert Baines. I don't care about that part. But it uh, it was a high-risk procedure because there was a possibility he could go blind because they had to go through the insides of his eyelids to burn the veins off. So basically, he spent more than $220,000 on plastic surgery, and uh, he's been accused of being a narcissist and having body dysmorphic disorder. But he says that's nonsense. He's just an artist, and his medium is his own body. What do you guys think well, about that? Well, he definitely, wow. I would say, has both of those disorders. It's not just, hey, I want to try this, and I, I'm being artistic I mean, with my own body. I, I would say that he's free to do it, and he's free to not care if people think he has a disorder. But, I mean, by, you know, by definitions of both of those disorders, he probably does have them. So, I, like I said, he can do whatever he wants to do. But I just think, man, that guy has a healthy body, and he spent $220,000 on it to just to goof around with. And I think, man, that's $220,000 he could have given now, to people No, I think I, you could take that all the way down, though. Like, I'll, I'll defend his right to do it, but I also think it's, it's insane all the way down to just the, your average female, what they spend on doing their hair and makeup every day is bananas to me. So I think that's, I think that's actually borderline messed up to a time and money investment in itself. Now, he's just way farther down that spectrum. Don't you think it's crazy to spend as much as they do day after day? I mean, not they, all of them, but, I mean, my wife, for instance, I hate to see her have to go through it every day, but she thinks it's... Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think I, I can't believe we, we would boil down our whole existence to certain things because, I mean, it seems like to me when we get to heaven, there's not going to be makeup and everybody's hair, hairy legs and armpits and all that yeah. stuff are going to be showing, and we probably won't have clothes on. So, what? I mean, why all of a sudden... Down here, we need to look so good. I mean, I mean people it's just, do what they want to do, but I think it's a little bit out there, yeah. I mean, he risked going blind to have veins removed from his forehead. You don't That's want crazy. those Julie Roberts veins. Whatever that means. <laughs> the truth. All right, I don't know if y'all have heard about this story or not, but uh, this comes from Benjamin Radford. I thought this was an interesting article. I don't know if you guys heard about it, but there's a boy, a long back, it says, The Boy Who Came Back From Heaven. The book was a best-selling yeah, book from 2010. I don't know if y'all heard about this, but he's recanted yeah. his story. It says, it, the story is when Alex awoke from a coma, he was in a car crash and he's paralyzed, uh, almost impossible that he could survive, but he came back from a coma two months later. He had an incredible story to share of events at the accident scene in the hospital while he was unconscious of angels who took him through the gates of heaven itself. It was one of the two best-selling books about young boys. The other one was Heaven is for Real, which was a movie that came out in 2014. So basically his story was while he was in a uh, basically brain dead or in a coma, he angels came to him, he went to heaven. Well, now he's recounted the story and says that it's a lie, and he just said it just because he thought it would people would like hearing it. He is a Christian, but he's saying that Lifeway um, should stop selling the book, and it's not true, and that's a lie, and everybody kind of knows it. And so he's calling them out and saying, hey, uh, do not do that. Do not sell this book. So I think that's So why did he come out? This, Is this his conscience got to him? Yeah, I think it just felt really bad. Uh, in his brief statement, says, Please forgive the brevity, but because of my limitations, because he's paralyzed, I have to keep this short. I did not die. I did not go to heaven. I said I went to heaven because I thought it would get me attention. When I made the claims that I did, I had never read the Bible. People have profited from lies and continue to. They should read the Bible, which is enough. The Bible is the only source of truth. Anything written by man cannot be infallible. So he's saying that God wrote the Bible. So he's, he's a Christian. He's proclaiming God, and he just feels, I think, super convicted that he just made up a story to make people feel good. So, yeah, so he is recounted on that. Now, the basis of this article by Benjamin Radford is why people believe that story. And I thought he, he made some uh, really good arguments in a couple paragraphs here, and I want to read them and see what you guys think. Part of the reason that Malarkey's story was so widely believed and accepted among its Christian audience is that it reinforced their existing narratives and beliefs. 
If he had described heaven as a place that smells like melted cheddar cheese and it was populated by winged elephants singing Britney Spears songs, his, his experiences, however sincerely conveyed, would have been dismissed as drug-induced hallucinations or the product of fertile imagination. So I thought that was really interesting. I thought it was neat. If he would have had a real vision of heaven and it wouldn't have been what we thought or have accepted, nobody would have believed it. Everybody would have said, oh, that's evil or sinful or not true. But because he said, yeah, heaven is this and there's angels and everybody. Yep, so that's confirmation book. bias is what that's called. So to me, all that, yeah, that's, that's what I always say is people just want to believe what they're going to want to believe and then they gravitate toward those things that offer them either solutions answers or have low barrier of entry but that one's called confirmation bias like you only believe the things that you wanted to see anyway i don't know if it's exactly confirmation bias but that's what it is like we have a vision of what heaven is so that's what it is yeah. you know what i mean like isn't that crazy though like that, i mean nobody I knows what heaven's give, like I, I would say at first i think that's so horrible that you would write a book like that and lie to get everybody's money or whatever but on on second thought I give massive props to somebody to tell the truth and just take it and, and just say, hey, it's just, I, you know, don't listen to me. I was wrong. I'm bad. I screwed up. This is what it is. Whatever. I mean, I, I love that. Love it. So I think Guy is great. I'm giving him a lot of credit for coming out. He didn't have to do that. That's true. Joe, you got any input? No. I. You don't even care about the Lord. I definitely agree with you as far as people not having a clue about heaven, but I do think it's going to be way more like real life than what people give it credit for. Because I think that what we're living right now is a very warped, damaged sense of heaven. I mean, we enjoy food now, yeah. we'll enjoy food in heaven. We enjoy friendship now, we'll enjoy it in heaven. We enjoy you know, so many things here, and I mean, there's certain things that maybe we don't enjoy here that we will enjoy in heaven. So think about it. God put Adam and Eve in a garden on the earth that was original paradise. So yeah, I know, and all, and you weren't doing anything that crazy, and there really didn't seem to be that many angels around. But maybe they were. But I mean, it's just I get I just I it is interesting, and I think that's one of the reasons why it makes Christians look just terrible. Oh yeah, you believe anything that's fed to you that that you want to believe. But anything kind of tough, you know, it's just, I mean, and and that's the world. That's not just Christians. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. What you got, else? So, all right. My last one is uh, from the Huffington Post, and it's Paul Bennett is convicted after having sex with a mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> a man in Wigan, England, has been stamped as a sex offender after being found guilty of having sex with a mailbox. Paul Bennett, 45, pleaded guilty on Thursday to two counts of indecent exposure and using threatening and abusive words with abusive behavior, the mirror reports. The police stemmed from a September 9th incident where he attempted to have sex with a mailbox in a public area. Witnesses told the court they saw Bennett pull down his pants in a shopping arcade and start to publicly perform a sexual act on himself in public. Prosecuting attorney Kate Betty said Bennett then walked over to the post box and started to make sexual advances towards <laughs> it, which I think is funny. Like, what is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. So witnesses said he kept shouting, Wow! During the mailbox <laughs> masturbation. <laughs> it said officers said that he drunkenly shouted and swore at them. And uh, according to the Express, Bennett's attorney, Martin Jones, told the court he realizes his client's behavior left witnesses ashamed, disgusted, and upset. But what if the guy said, I love that mailbox? You just can't have sex in public yeah, with a mailbox? So. <laughs> and is that actually sex? Is that sex? Like if you put your penis into a mailbox and ejaculate? So, yeah. I think you... Joey, I mean, that's actual sex. Sex isn't just between two live things. I mean, if, if that's sex, then masturbation is sex. Yeah, ma yeah. is masturbation sex? 
Wow. Yeah. Pretty I solid mean, yeah. on that, dude. I guess, I mean, it's a sex act, they said there. I don't know. They call it sex act, mailbox I mean, when you have Once the robots come so. out, I don't know if you put in your pre-order or not, but once they have those sex robots you're always talking about, you'll be able to have sex with them, right? Of course. I think, you know what, I actually believe that sex will be the number one use of robots. <laughs> <laughs> I really believe that. You know, like the, the internet is like what used for how much porn. You know what I mean? Like, the, like you have this powerful, awesome technology called the internet that can give you so much information. You can learn anything, but the majority of it's used for looking yeah, so at the boobs the most and revolutionary and technology, the most important thing to our economy and our modern world's primary use is pornography. So if robots yeah. become prolific, like completely prolific and dominate the landscape, we could still expect for their largest use to be sex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, totally. There's going to be these robots that can help you and carry things for you and be a companion, all this stuff. But the number one thing you're going to use it for, I'm going <laughs> to screw that thing. 